Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller with Marjorie DeHay with Media Maven podcast. Hi, Marjorie. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm good. And I love podcast days with you, Max. I'm super excited because like I've been scouring through the papers and kind of looking at more advanced technologies and what's going on. And I'm super excited that we have Sean King with us on the show today. Sean, you are the Senior VP Commercial Services for Veritone. Veritone's an AI company. And I'm super excited you're here because first we owe you congratulations given all of COVID the past year or two, Veritone continued to push forward, innovate through all of this. You guys took home the award for best AI category for the Media Excellence Awards. So congrats on that. Yeah, thank you very much. And glad to be here with you both. It's always good to see like leadership and innovation come out of COVID. And like, I hate that we're still talking about COVID. That word has to leave our vocabulary. But right now that we're seeing leadership and seeing companies innovate and come out with new ways in technology to move forward that immersive experience. I mean, intelligence. I love seeing the good come out of such a bad situation. No, I agree. And I think, you know, during that time when you became officeless and you've kind of missed that camaraderie around people, you know, you had to think of new ways to get creative and new ways to get inventive. And I think that's when we had kind of had a unique opportunity where a lot of kind of the technology and core tools that we were providing to a lot of our customers allowed for certain searchability and discoverability and attribution to other things from content. And it's cloud-based and it's available. So it was still allowing, you know, the our companies and customers to be able to still interact, do their jobs and really enable them to continue to keep their business driving forward. And, and in some cases, you know, really would turn to us and our vendors and partners as a way to think like, look, how can we not just use it, but, you know, where can we monetize more? How can we do more with what we're having? Because I think it also, you know, enabled a lot of companies to really ask the question about, hey, can I do things differently? And just being able to provide, you know, solutions to these companies that could really start that creative process and really growing and developing their business. You know, when they're not, when they're thinking about it from like a, you know, a new dimension of we're not in a building anymore together. And I think there was a lot of empowering that went on during that. And it was, it's, it's really fun to be a part of. Yeah. It's what's interesting though, because remember like, what was it years ago? People were like, oh, oh, we're going to replace the workforce with robots or better, you know, more human intelligence, which is where AI comes into. And then when COVID hit, it's like, nobody's being replaced. It's just, you got to work from home. And I do think that working from home was such a great space for some people. I know we're back in this hybrid mode, but when we talk about like, tell us about what Veritone does, because I know you're AI. I know it's artificial intelligence. I know you guys cover green energy, financial government. There's a bunch of different areas, but the big fear I think people have going into COVID that was on their mind for the past few years was as AI became more and more robust and more innovative, they were afraid it was going to start replacing jobs and on the workforce. But then when we all went down for two years, you guys are coming back out with a stronger, more robust platform. So give us a little bit, just talk about artificial intelligence and what Veritone has been working on. 
Sure. So Veritone's really compartmentalized into two groups, our commercial group and then our government regulated industries. So to cover off real quickly, you know, I work on the commercial side, but I'll just speak for a second about the government regulated industries is that's where we have, you know, a solution for energy called iDERMS that is really helping energy grid optimization, actually helping empower for a cleaner global earth for that. But also just in that, but like, you know, we during the COVID saw a lot of power outage and grids going completely out and leaving people without power and during this time. So I love that you say that during COVID because pre-COVID and recently, we're still getting power. I mean, at least in LA, is this is constantly the strain on power. And it's it's funny. Well, it's not funny, funny, not funny. That I'm only two or three blocks away from Marjorie, actually. And my power goes, and I'm always texting McMax. Yeah, power's like, yeah, I'm fine. What's up? I go, like, I'm literally down for like five hours. And and she's like only three or four blocks from me. So it drives me crazy okay i'm not the vent about la power (laughs) but just to say out there oh it's power has always been an issue no absolutely and just being able to help with that for the communities and then on the government side it's really providing transparency and efficiencies you know helping create a safer cities and 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 counties and states for us you know because it's providing that transparency in, in in law enforcement as well as federal and and state levels and then we'll move over to the commercial side where, you know, which is which I reside. And we really work mainly right now in media and entertainment and in talent acquisitions. We have advertising groups, we have content licensing, and we provide applications and tools on AIware, which is our core technology platform that really enables searchability, discoverability of your content, attribution, place where you can house and search all your digital media assets that you can create. I like to think of it as like, think about it like Google for video. So, you know, you're, you know, going in right now to Google and you're going to do a search and you're searching binary, you know, you're searching text, you're searching zeros and ones. And so when you, you can come into AIware and come into our discovery application or digital media hub, and you can go in and do a multivariate search where you can search against what's being said, faces that are on the screen, logos, objects that are there. So if you wanted to do like a multivariant search where you could say, show me, you know, baseball player X with an image of a baseball bat and someone announcing the word home run, it's going to meet all the clips that doing that. So as you know, these media companies and organizations are feeding, you know, their audio or video files, Veritone and AIware is really providing the necessary you know, metadata for that to make sure it's searchable, discoverable. So we're really making, you know, audio and video almost binary to the point where you can search in the footage, not the descriptions around the footage. And you can just think from, you know, ad placements, from being able to find content that you want to include into documentaries or films and things like that, you know, to being able to understand when things have happened and go back and look through things, just providing that to tools, especially groups that create a lot of content. And look, everyone's a content creator these days. You know, you got influencers, you got brands, you have your media companies, you have your television stations, your broadcasting groups. You know, everyone is a content creator in some way. And just being able to make that searchability has really been empowering for a lot of groups. And I see you do a lot of international work, which I've I've done a lot of international work. So has Sarah. And I love that you guys just announced this big deal to with Globo out of Brazil to I think there's what like twenty eight hundred hours of sports content. And this is exactly what you're saying. They can go, they can find like a football player or a footballer that there's really popular. How did a big deal like that kind of come about? Like, what's your process? 
Jeez, I mean, our it varies in the covenant, but really our process is understanding, you know, where they're, and this kind of goes back to kind of AI into the workforce. I like to think about this. I, you know, coming from an advertising background, and I'll and I'll circle it back here to Globo. At, at Veritone One, we place a ton of like native placements. Like, so it's, you know, it's your radio, it's your podcast that's saying in the middle of their content, hey, I'd like to thank my sponsor, so-and-so. <laughs> you know, back in the day, we would have to, and back in the day, like it was many years ago, <laughs> only a couple years ago, you know, we'd have to call up the radio station or the podcast group saying, like, hey, by the way, can you send me the clip of when this happened? You know, so someone would have to walk down the hall, they get in the booth, they put on their headsets, they go listen through the show, they pull you your little MP3 clip, and they'd send it to you. And then by the time that whole and think about it, you're doing thousands of those on a year or a monthly basis. Like, I mean, it's all it's almost it, it's just a horrible process to have to go through again and again and again. Something that is repeatable and, and is mundane. And so we look about this. Well, OK, like, let's see if we can ingest the content. Let's see if we can find it. And that's really like what AIware and our discovery app does. So think about it for an international company like Global. I got twenty eight thousand. I mean, twenty thousands and thousands of hours of content that I have no intelligence inside of it to being able to have. And so when you want something or if there's a, you know, a film producer that's calling, I want to do a, you know, a, a documentary on this. Can you find me all this content? I mean, it's almost going back to the days of us going to the library when we were all probably doing our research paper and going to like the microfilms of the old newspaper clippings and things that you would have to go through to be able to do that. But being able to do it where it's enabled at your fingertips and I think really what's that distilling it down even further, the more time that anyone can spend in ideation and not in tasks, think about how much more further you can take your business. So when we look about where you can infuse AI, think about those from those task-based ones. I need to find something quickly. I need to find something. I mean, that could literally take someone hours, if not days, maybe even weeks, if they're going in through this treasure trove of content to try to find this one clip that they're looking for. That this guy remembers versus being able to go in and search on your fingertips, be able to doing that. And then that person can then, well, great. If I have this one, what about this? And, and what about this? You can just spend more time ideating. And it's always kind of one of those things. If everyone in an organization could get like five hours a week back just to think about what's better for the business, what they can be doing more. My goodness, like how much further can we all go collectively by the end of the week, end of the month, end of the year, two years, five years out? I mean, it snowballs and like what those opportunities that you can create. What are the um, other barriers to entry? Because now you have the media, the commercial, the sports, film, media, you know, sports, music, you got podcasts on it, you got all the government stuff. Are there any barriers to entry? Because companies have got to enable the AI into their, whether their websites, their content and everything. So it is, it is a process. It's not like just, hey, download it and you're, you're there. I mean, where are the barriers to entry for most companies to bring AI in for all these searchable and um, easy to use ways for um, content creation and search? I mean, I really think it are like, what are your challenges today? I mean, I, I won't say for barriers to entry because, I mean, everyone's situation is is uniquely different and what they're doing and not doing. And so I like to describe, and I think we describe to AIware is like, think about it when you're going on to your IBM back in the day, like there's IBM and then you had all those, but then you got micro, you got Microsoft Office. And Microsoft Office was like your operating system on top of your IBM. That then you had your applications like Excel and Word and everything else on those. Like that's really what we're doing. It's like it's like we can bring AIware as an operating system within inside your organization. 
And then it can come with either, you know, pre-made that we already have applications that you may be able to plug and play directly into your organization today. And there's also like professional solutions where if you maybe need something that's a bit more bespoke, a little bit more custom, it's going through. So, I mean, it really does vary, but I always just to say, it's like, look, you know, what are the problems that are you're facing with right now today? And where are those points where like, if it's, creating greater efficiencies within the organization so more time can be spent on those problems versus tackling the problem right on or where is it where we can provide a a better growth opportunity because i think that's really what ai can do in two things it can create efficiencies in processes and it can enable new activity and it's really like where you want to balance on on the scale with those for any organization i love that you guys are moving AI into the metaverse. I know you guys have your very verse and you're moving into that space. Let's kind of talk about this because it is about intelligence. Like you said, search is about enabling you to work quicker, faster, save your time, find what you need. We're moving into this whole Web3 era right now. So it's not like, hey, I'm on a website, you know, looking for a podcast clip, you know, looking for sports stats. I mean, we are now up there in the whole, the NFTs, the whole metaverse, whole virtual reality world. You know, I mean, to me, I mean, the metaverse was just, remember when gaming was gaming, but then it became esports. Is this another term, fancy term for gaming just on steroids because the teams are now playing against each other. And now we have the same UI, the same multiplayer premise on gaming coding. And it's the metaverse, but we're layering the VR on top of it to a whole virtual reality. How are you guys now? Are you, and if I'm mistaken, correct me, you're the only company I have seen on the AI side moving into the metaverse. Is that still correct? There's probably, a, I mean, AI is going to be core to the metaverse. But, but I think nobody is publicly stating it because it's such a cluttered industry and it's not really defined. Veritone well, is the only company I've seen active in the meta space right now. Yeah. And and really what we're looking for is making sure that we're providing the right suites of products and services that we can help companies, creators, content owners have a sense of continuity between what they're doing in real life and what will happen in these, you know, immersive environments. Like for, you know, last year we helped license some footage from CBS News into Fortnite around Martin Luther King. So Fortnite had this great event where they on around Martin Luther King, where they actually had his I have a dream speech and they allowed you to go and watch it there in their game and interact and ask questions and learn and do this interactive experience. And so we were able to kind of help them by providing actual footage into the into the gaming. So the gamers that were in there playing it actually were seeing the same footage of Martin Luther King giving that speech then with his voice and everything else. So when we start thinking about like a company or a brand or a content creator, you know, there needs to be your same sense of like your identity and your assets that needs to have continuity between both. Like I'll give an example, like Capital One with Jennifer Gardner. Like we can all hear what's in your wallet. We can all hear it today. We know her sound. It's iconic. We hear it on the TV screen. You know, we hear it when we're in our cars, our train, bus, subway, you know, we hear it. What's in your wallet? You know, but when you go into a bank, you don't necessarily hearing her on the loudspeaker. You know, when you're going and calling the 800 number, you're not necessarily experiencing that with here. So by bringing solutions like Veritone Voice and Avatar and our migration services and identity protection, in that instance for Capital One, we could say, okay, well, we can help make a cloned version of Jennifer Gardner's voice with her consent. 
you know, we can create a, an, an avatar of her and that one's here. That's strictly for your consent with her consent and for you, Capital One. And that can actually make Jennifer Gardner's character her as a brand spokesperson for Capital One. And you can have an infinite amount of usage within that where you could go right now and interact potentially on a website, a Capital One website and go through an application progress or do something like that, where you can actually be talking and hearing for the same voice that you're hearing on the screen. And then you think about going into like a metaverse right now, you'd have that same sense of continuity. You would still go to this environment. You would still hear her voice. You would still be able to interact with her imagery and who she is in that. So it's bringing that continuity for brands and companies so that when you're going into these digital immersive environments, the same principles that are in real life are still held there. Granted, that is powered by AI and it's powered by other ones, but you're still getting that sense of continuity. You know, I I heard, I think it was on NPR, is metaverse is the product that everyone thinks we want, but people really don't want. Which I thought was kind of interesting because it's like it, there's this belief it would create greater disconnects between people. But I think what I'm hearing you're saying, and I think this is what I hear a lot of the actual experts say, is it's actually finding ways for people to connect in a better way. So maybe tell some examples of how you've been working with your brands to connect people in a better way. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. It's it's the connection and it's authenticity of that connection that's being there. And I think that's what's really if you start thinking about the web three community. And and let's think about like NFTs, you know, hot topic of example from those ones here. But here's a perfect example. You know, NFTs as a standalone is artwork and other things. You know, it's a collectible. It's it's great. But NFTs with utility that provide some level of access that you can allow to build a community where you can have and experiences that are come along with it. You know, it's allowing you to build together a an authentic and inclusive environment that you want to have where you can interact with more people and you can have more. It's just it's providing that and everyone's going to use it a little differently. Like if you're a content creator, you know, maybe you want to just do it to have these ask me anything moments. Hey, come into this, you know, hang out here and you can ask me anything. You have my NFT token. You'd be able to do this. But say if I'm like, you know, the USGA golf or I'm a I'm a big event that's going on and I want to create, you know, an NFT that you're going to have access to things online to be able to do that. But maybe if you have this specific NFT, you get access to a real life in-person event. So you're actually building that sense of community that can expand more than that. I mean, for example, I think it was Stephen Aoki did a, a, a great job doing an NFT drop where he said, look, if you have this one, you get free admission to any one of my shows, I think is what I'm doing it. So it's a great way where he could really leverage on that, have those interactions. But there's that sense of community that he can have where he can bring it in and bring everyone back together, like in real life as well, too. And well, I think, again, that's what we want to focus open, on. And it goes to the open and the walled versions of the metaverse, because CBO gets some of these guys. I mean, if you look at the Board Apes Yacht Club, I mean, they just blew up. I mean, they're cute. I mean, I think like when Marjorie said, we all want it, but we don't really know if we want it. NFTs are such a crazy. It's like the wild, wild west. It's just a JPEG. It's just an image. You can screenshot people, screenshot stuff constantly all the time. And they're filtering stuff out. You can't really say, hey, you had a screenshot of my NFT on your Facebook page. So now I'm going to see you because I spent two million for it. But what Ioki and some of these guys are doing, they're creating DAOs. So they have their communities to where if you are a part of my community, like the Board Ape Yacht Club, you can't get in without it. That's your golden ticket to unlock 
more cross NFTs, events, access to Intel and marketing because everything's in the blockchain now. So I think it's interesting that for AI, because now all of a sudden we're seeing, I think it was over, oh my gosh, like 180 million of NFTs was stolen. Board Apes got hacked. There was that other thing we were just talking about this the other day, Marjorie, where those people in New York, that girl, that guy there in Miami, she was a socialite or some DJ. I mean, they're looking at prison time for billions in Bitcoin. SEC, FBI has crypto regulation task forces now because nothing is safe. And we all thought, oh, crypto, your wallet gives the Dow. Now they're being hacked. So I feel like AI is just another layer of security and encryption. Am I correct on that? Or I think it's really where we're coming into is like, look, when you're talking about some of the things that we're focused on for those and like I'm bringing it back to like the voice and the avatars, like your voice is a biometric, you know, uh, identifier of yourself in certain states. It's it's considered PII in certain states. Biometrics are considered like super PII. So we feel it's very important that everyone of notoriety or anyone needs to make sure that they kind of, quote unquote, own your clone. Like if, you know, you have control of your model, of, of your voice, of your avatar, if you're doing those, because, you know, that way it's, it's authentic. It's your stamp of authenticity. It's my verified clone. It's my verified voice clone. It's my baritone. It's my verified avatar. So they know that when they're interacting with this, that is the authentic approved, you know, synthetic of this person. Because other than that, it's like going back to like, you know, when you're going to buy an autograph or something like a collectible of those, it's got that stamp of authenticity. So you know that this has been verified. This is that person. And everyone, I feel like it feels strongly that needs to make sure that they have theirs because, you know, you can see it happening right now. I think, you know, within the NFTs, 80% of the ones that have been transacted on OpenSea and others have been copyrighted content. So again, coming back to why we're very focused on like very verse and having that continuity is those same principles that we expect in real life of like your identity protection, the protection of your assets, your IP, your copyright. You need to make sure that that bridge consists and is consistent in these environments. And the best way to have that is to make sure that you have everything centralized within your control and you're deciding who has access to what and who can deploy to what and who's doing it because you know anything outside of that is fake. And then you can go after and, 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 and look at, okay, wait, this is not authentic. And you can start going that it's the same thing that happens today in licensing of content. You know, there is plenty of, uh, of content that is used that is infringed. That's not in fair use uh, as part of it. And, you know, there are certain things, if it's taking place on YouTube or Facebook or any of these other ones that you can go put a claim against it and make that forces them to pull down the content. You know, these same principles are going to need to take place and be, and be readily available to be protected in these, you know, immersive environments. What about the, all these deep fakes? I mean, you're, I understand what you're saying. We all understand the blockchain. We all understand IP and rights and everything. I just feel like the metaverse is like a huge digital playground for attorneys because there's so much IP and infringement. And, you know, they're saying, like, I know OpenSea was also hacked into, you know, people are just like downloading, hey, let me go here, give me this and we'll upload your new NFT. But you're talking about your voice and your specific identification, but then there's deep fakes, you know, the synthetic voices, voice cloning. Is this a good or a bad thing? I mean, I know there's always a good and bad of everything, but well, I believe I, you guys did a white paper or you're working on one on that as well. Yeah. So look, a 
synthetic media that is that is made with consent and done is not a deep fake. Like that, let's just be clear from that. Like that is that is synthetic media created ethically with proper consent. You know, if you're doing something without anyone's consent, that's a deep fake from those. And there's been plenty of examples online from those ones here. But I think that's a wonderful example from good and gives companies and people this amazing opportunity to personalize and localize messages. So like, you know, again, say, for example, going back to Jennifer Gardner and using the same one for continuity sake, you can have Jennifer Gardner, you can have her synthetic voice. That synthetic voice can be trained to speak multiple languages. So whether if you're here in a location in California, you could be able to quickly say rather if English, you know, Spanish, Mandarin, French, German, you know, any of these are your native language, you can still interact with the same person, hear the same voice and hear it, but you're hearing it in your language that's native and custom to you. So like for this podcast, for example, being able, like there's a clone of my voice that we have, but you know, for your guys's voice, you know, if you owned your clone, we could take this exact podcast that we're doing together and have it transcribed into multiple languages. So everyone would be able to hear it. So if you go, someone downloads this in, 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 in France right now, they're hearing us speak English. But how cool would it be if they download it and they get to hear it in our voices, but we're speaking French. And just that ability where you can almost localize and personalize that message down to the listener. How much bigger of an audience can we create? Like how much more information can we share? And you think about it, you can do that to like e-learning. You can do that to corporate videos. You can do that to training, you know, and being all those, you know, it, it, it really is allowing you to, you know, supercharge that ability to create and personalize content. I want to just have one quick question before we get to Marjorie. This may be a stupid question. Synthetic voice and voice cloning, the same thing, or is there is it just a difference between the both? Yeah, voice cloning is the act of where we're making the synthetic clone of the voice to create synthetic speech. So synthetic media is the output. So like, for example, I have a voice clone of myself. You know, my voice clone speaks English, it speaks Spanish, and it speaks Mandarin. So that's my clone. Any outputs of my voice that is synthetic media or synthetic speech. God, okay. Sorry, Marge. I just had to finish my deep fake question conversation. <laughs> you were talking a lot about owning your clone and we can understand that for big companies and et cetera. But what if you're like a smaller influencer or, or just somebody with maybe under a million audience, do you work with smaller companies or smaller individuals to help them out? And what would that process be? I mean, absolutely. I mean, we work with many people to be able to create you know, those. And really what's great about ours is we don't actually, if their content creators are have existing footage, nine times out of 10, we can take footage from what they've already done and use that to create the voice. And you guys have done a lot of podcasts together. So if you guys wanted that, like all we would need is like, hey, send us a bunch of your podcasts. And then we can use the audio of your guys speaking to be able to create that. So, and in certain cases, if they don't have any footage whatsoever out there, which is rarely the case, we say, okay, well, here are some scripts, you know, go in and read them and then we can go ahead and start creating it. But most cases, everyone has enough content out there that we can use that content to go ahead and create the voice. And then once that voice is created and done, I mean, there's a one-time thing in creating that. You know, you may want to update the model as someone's voice changes over time. If it's been a couple of years, you want to, your voice has changed. You can always update it with more data and make it more humanistic that's there. But then at that point, then it's really just, you know, usage and processing. And so we work with groups, both big and small, you know, what are really our use cases? 
You know, what are you trying to do with it? Are you trying to have this in multiple languages? Is there going to need to be translation and transcription around it? You know, what are all those different use cases that you have? And we work together and it's different for companies and corporations, big and small. It's interesting because Marjorie's, you know, managing partner of a law firm, very big in the digital, in this tech space, but she also produces her stuff on the side. So this is probably a better question for Marjorie on the podcast. I We have all the IP and everything, but when movies are distributed, you obviously people over, they love Western movies. So we know in China, it's all about the Westerns and the horror flicks and stuff. But I would feel like this is such a perfect play in the movie industry, film, TV, because when people are out there, Things are being dubbed. You have subtitles, which drives me crazy. I can't follow subtitles because it drives me crazy. I would think AI is better of a more of a distribution model built into using it to where when you're making films, editing and producing films, I would assume, Mags, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Why would you not use this technology moving forward in all films? like as one of the main things you have to do. So you're not spending the money and the time trying to cover everything with subtitles. I would think this long-term in the long game would save the film industry money, but is it something that's scalable on the film TV side or is it more complicated than that? Well, geez, I mean, well, subtitles are mandatory. <laughs> why? But, wait, yeah. but why, but Marjorie, you've sure. done some producing. Why is it mandatory if you could just film something and then no matter like what you said earlier, Sean, no matter who's hearing it in France, in Germany, whatever, it automatically comes across in their language. So then we don't need subtitles. Well, it's like closed captioning's mandatory in America under the American Disabilities Act. And then subtitles, you really need them or your content. It's very hard and very expensive to, to create it in every language. So Sean's company would actually really be fantastic for distributors, but it would also be great for producers doing documentaries because Brett Morgan, who's doing the big releasing the big David Bowie one that everybody's waiting for. He was like, he went through like 10,000 hours of footage, him and his team. And, but if he was like, well, I want that concert that he did in New York and this date. And I know like this, this is where Sean's technology would like just really revolutionize the entertainment industry. Absolutely. And that's, you know, definitely something that we're going after. And now this is, you know, because I would say like, you know, I, I like Seinfeld, you know, I'm a, I love Seinfeld, but you know, if you listen to Seinfeld outside, you're not hearing Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. you're hearing the character actor of Jerry Seinfeld for those. And that, and just being able to hear and be able to do that. And there's that, again, that great sense of authenticity that could potentially be provided for it. And another, you know, one to that same one here is kind of that audio description. I mean, we tend to follow the EU guidelines for a lot of things that are taking place. And, you know, there's legislation there that, you know, there's a certain percentage of all your content that needs to have a scene description for the for the visually impaired. So because they can hear, but they can't see. So be able to describe what's on the screen for them. And so, you know, we did a partnership with Una and and Silvertrack Digital, where we're working on helping provide that scene description for a lot of their films and groups and stuff that they're working on together. And again, yeah, these are all things which are great use cases to be able to have. And again, being able the extensibility, it's just something that they can help in their production cycle and can keep growing. And here's the whole point to it. Like we want even in these cases, like these voice actors and everyone else should have, you know, they're perfect. We don't want to displace them. They should have their clone as well to them because look, there's going to be certain things for like the, the high quality, you know, marquee films 
that are going to want something that's going to be super passionate. You're going to want to have that actor into it. But if we saw anything during COVID is we saw that the production cycle shut down and we went crazy looking for content like crazy looking for content anywhere. So you start to think about, you know, okay, we're, we're not the top 10% of all the movies that may still want to use the live person to go and do those recruitings, but 11 to 99% of those ones that you can just create those and being able to make that more extensible. I mean, it's, it, it's a wonderful opportunity. And these are typically potentially films that maybe these voice actors weren't going to do anywhere because it wasn't the part, but at least they'd have their voice accessible to take advantage of these opportunities. I just think it's a tremendous opportunity to take the film industry to that next level when it comes to innovation and technology. I mean, it's all about, we had um, Jason on here at THX. We had, you know, Jason Fiber on here, the whole surround sound, you know, with film and stuff. But I just feel like, and I could be wrong, but I just feel like there's so much innovation in what you guys are doing. And I know there's a few industries that are a little slow moving to catch up. But I just, I just feel like, I mean, sports is pretty savvy on the innovation but it's like the film and content and music side they've got to start utilizing more and more innovation technology like veritone to get to that point like i mean and, and i i get where this is coming from because we as a podcast like literally i laughed when you guys were talking earlier because we went through vhs we literally as a pr from back in the days all right when i was a i countered another pr firm we were filling out forms to initiate the time, the place, the station, to get a tape up for that client. There was no good way about it. Now then became, okay, hey, somebody, somebody TiVo, it, somebody recorded on, you know, on their TV. Well, that's great if I recorded something because I have UVerse, but I can't get that to somebody else and transfer it over. So I get where that's going. But so I, I get the whole client need on the PR site, but as a podcast, in addition to the PR, I literally, this is what we're doing. It's a little old school. This may be another conversation offline, Sean, is we have to go through every single podcast on the editing side. Ums, ins, we've had dog barkings, something's crashed. Well, I just laugh it off because we're not going through this. It's going out raw, unedited, authentic. I don't care if a cat walked across your keyboard and sat there staring at us, which has happened during podcasts. It is what it is. But we have to literally go through every podcast and find that audio, that audio clip to give to our guy. So when he does the social and we put things out, which you'll find out since you're going to be part of our little old school mix here, we have to go through this, the podcast, like for example, with yours, and we have to find all the ands in there. Uh, if we don't catch it in the beginning, when I screw up, forget my name, I can start over, but have to do a podcast. We can't. So we let that go. Matt, I know why Margie's laughing. Just to preface why she's laughing silently, is because every time, so we have Global News Watch, which is our syndicate part of Media Mavis podcast, all on Global News Live. We have the most amazing uh, former CIA military operations security defense guy. He's ABC's biggest military defense guy. So we are scooping the president and the news, CNN, New York Times, ABC, then we're fourth on that list. So we're getting such great news. And every single time, once a month, I screw up his name. They're laughing their asses off. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to start over because it's the longest damn title. It's like a three paragraph title. And you have to respect if you're assistant security, defense, military, Middle East, ABC News, security, defense. Yeah, I mean, it's such a long title and I always screw it up. Right. But sometimes I fumble over it during the podcast and we just let it go. 
I still have to go in here every single week, listen to every single podcast, not for all the edits, because I'm so beyond over that on the timing. I have to find the soundbite, the clip of some of that. Okay, this is a two minute, a 15 second clip. And if I say, hey, you know what? We should go back to what Sean said about, you know, AI or in the film or security or deep fakes. I have to go through and find that clip. And then I'm like, okay, well, one of us is laughing or, you know, we kind of trip over each other conversations. And wait, wait, hold on. Let me tell you this first. I got to find a good solid space that has no interruptions of your soundbite. We do this by hand every single week. If we had veritone download is a bad terminology i know on a tech side i wouldn't have to sit there i have anybody sit there and re-listen to every single thing right 12.3 to 13.4 we have no good way to do that so this is where i'm thinking from when we started this conversation to now i get this because we need that for our podcast because the time we're putting in to our podcast to get that one soundbite is listening over and over and writing down on a postie the timestamps yeah. to send to David so he and can be able to just go search it, hit it, and go ahead and actually share it directly there socially and be able to have that clip and share it via email, a link to it, the whole nine for it here. I mean, then that's kind of what we're about. We just want to enable organizations to be able to see where they can use it within it, how much it can save. And then, like us going back to where I was saying earlier, like if we could just spend five hours more a week ideating, how much further can we go? Oh my God, five hours more a week to not have to listen to every podcast and of the pen and posty, the audio times, and then give everything the right spelling. So Marjorie had a good question earlier, you know, like companies of all sizes. Is it okay? And this is probably more of a stupid question than my side on the tech side. Is this for all companies, all sizes to circle back? Is this a hard thing to implement? And is it cost effective regardless of how big or small your company is? Because there's, so many podcasts, like millions of podcasts, especially during COVID. And I get hit up by so many people. Hey, how do you do your podcast? Because like, you know, they always say the first 30 podcasts, people fail. We're in season six, right? A hundred and I think you're our 149th. I mean, we have killed it. The website, the guests, everything. But we're getting asked, wait, can you help us? And I'm like, I'm still figuring out what to do. But it seems like AI is an answer again for another industry that's been a little nascent on the tech side versus headphones and microphones. No, I mean, again, I mean, from our partners at like iHeart all the way down to small local stations and other markets and, and television creators to individual producers from those. I mean, it goes, it goes wide and big. It just really just depends on whatever they have. So we're happy to talk and help and engage with anyone who's, we think we can help take this further and find out if it's, it's a right fit for everyone. I just put you on a sales pitch for a podcast. You did. You did. You did. <laughs> and did. It's okay. I'll go on a sales pitch anywhere. It's okay. I, mean, and it's, I just put you on a sales pitch because Marjorie produces shows on a movie. So there you go. <laughs> this, was, this was a really good podcast. Yeah. So now we know what to do to make our jobs easier on a weekly basis. I mean, it was so good having you on this show, Sean. I, I have so many questions now on the podcast and, and it's just, it's crazy, but I love how Veritone, because we have seen you guys submit to the MEAs over the past, oh my gosh, on and off for the past five, six, seven, eight years, you know, because, you know, the RPR firm produces and owns it. And I, it's been so good to see companies like you evolve and innovate, you know, years 
over years into the awards and just just your categories and your innovation just keeps setting the bar higher and higher. And it's it's so good to see that, especially coming awesome. out of COVID the past three years. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Thank you so much. Awesome. It was so good to have you on the show. For everybody who needs AI, which sounds like there's a lot of people out there right now who would love to listen to and talk to Vera Tunmore, what's the best way to reach out to you? The best way would be go to our website at www.veritone.com or info at veritone.com email. It'll go to all the right people that are necessary based on where you're at and what company you're at. You'll get pointed to the right person. I can't believe I just asked you to pimp out your personal. I'm kidding. Your email. <laughs> or they can find you on LinkedIn. Oh my God. Sean, it was so good having you. So good for the sales details and everything about what you guys are doing. I definitely looking forward to seeing what else you guys innovate and come out and launch over this next year. No, I really appreciate the time. Thank you both. It was so good. Sean, it was so good having you on the show. Marjorie, always a good day when I'm chatting with you on our podcast. Until next week, this is Sarah Miller, Media Mavens Podcast. See everybody soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.